Hello, my lovely friends, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Luke Gerlach with Think Chat, and welcome to Confession um, number 111. I can't even say that this morning. Then remember that this is the second episode of exploring the book The Expert Effect by Grayson McKinney and Zach Rondo. It's been an absolute pleasure to read this book and learn how to set the conditions for engaging with experts. And oftentimes, um, this is not discussed when we're teaching children. So now that we've started with our why, we can move towards how do we then engage with experts? And a question that popped up in my mind as I was going through this section from pages 29 to 58 was, how do you find local resources to enrich your units? And in our book club, we had some really dynamic um, discussions about how this happens in different learning contexts. So first part is parent community, that we use our parents to shape the learning within the units. Um, this is so important to partner with parents so that they feel like they're part of their child's learning journey. Then looking within our own fellow teacher community, we can collaborate with our fellow teachers to learn from their experiences and to highlight um, things that they've gone through on their journey. Then looking at peer community, so people that are outside of our school community um, that can offer opportunities through friendship, through acquaintances, networking, and that sort of thing. Through virtual and physical field trips, um, as we know that, that the virtual field trip um, experience has blossomed since the pandemic. And then also experts within our community, thinking of people who have, who are working in the cafeteria at the front desk that have unique experiences, but they often don't get to share them. As an educator, I'd use all of these resources to enrich the learning experiences of each of my units of inquiry. And something that can bring about excitement is using your parents um, and fellow educators and peers as part of a human library. One possible idea is one that I talk about a lot is post topics that you'll be exploring during the year. So you have to know the layout of your program for that year and go that six week block. Um, for each unit of inquiry. So if you're teaching four units versus six units, if you're early years, thinking about, okay, here are the possible topics that we're exploring within this given time. And then at open house or back to school night, as we used to call it, have parents sign up based on their area of expertise or just their interests, their passion projects, and have them come in and talk about it. This is going to be a lot more dynamic than reading it on a page, right? Or, right, or watching a video about it. Because learners will have that human interaction that's going to touch their hearts about topics that they're exploring, which is more experiential, right, than anything else. So thinking about um, our warm-up activity, one quote that resonated with me in this section was posed on page 31. And I want you to take a moment and pause and think about this quote. Google beats us every time. YouTube knows how to do more things than we do. Siri is faster than we are. Alexa is more convenient. 
That's a very thought-provoking quote. And our group discussed our roles as teachers, you know, that have changed from being, you know, the teacher to a facilitator of information, that we're no longer the fountain of ideas. Our students can go onto the internet for that. 20 years ago, yes, but now no. But because there's so much information and fake, deep fake news, and there's so much misperception about how the world works, our process is now to help learners guide and filter and examine and analyze the at the accuracy um the you know the validity of that information and what are the implications it's also about transformation we're going away from controlling the power of the learning experience and we're transitioning more towards co-creating learning with our learners because the person who wields the power is the one who learns. That really is deep, right? Uh, but that's the truth, right? That's why we become better teachers over time is because we've had time to practice it. Where are, And that's why a lot of times learners don't get better at it because they're not the ones thinking. Think about that one. And it's also about <clears throat> um, thinking about that there's an increased focus on learning engagement design. We're no longer looking for information recall, but rather a vehicle to bring about critical and creative thinking. That's That makes you pause for a moment. And what does this have to do with connecting with local and global experts? Because we have to set the stage of learner agency before children can feel comfortable organizing questions, interviewing experts, engaging with people who are dynamic, but also very well read on their area of expertise. So we have to prepare our students for that. And that's not going to happen if we're constantly spoon feeding them information. So what's really fascinated me with, with this um, part of new information it really isn't new information, but it's about applying old information in a new way. I love that, don't you? Because that's where we get um, deeper ideas. The idea of the expert model came back. And just remember, the expert model goes according to each letter of the word expert. E is for experienced. X is excited. A little cheeky but I love it. P purposeful. E empowering. R real. T talk to kids. And what they utilize this expert model in this section is utilizing as a success criteria for choosing experts that will resonate with your learners. This is key because we all work with different types of kids with different types of needs. I've worked with such a wide range and I wouldn't employ the same engagements according to different learners. Children with more language um, acquisition needs, you're not going to have a person come in that utilizes high vocabulary. Also on the flip side, if you have of children that are, you know, 
talented in a large variety of ways, you wouldn't want um, an expert that came in that had a singular vision of how that would work. And so thinking about this, how are we utilizing this expert success criteria to help us to deepen our approach of looking at a variety of experts? Because sometimes a person may be brilliant, but they struggle to relay it in a kid-friendly way. And you want, you don't want your learners to be so turned off by engaging with an expert that they don't want to do it again. And for our play with idea section, we went brought back into breakout rooms to complete this prompt. And I want you to think about it for yourself. Make a list of strategies that bring about more local and global connections. So how do we do that? Here are some suggestions that I took away and applied in my mind from the expert effect. They're, they have tons of ways, but these were the ones that resonated with me. So there's the Center for Interactive Learning and Collaboration, which is at C-I-L-C-O-R-G. And this center provides programming to better understand different cultures and heritages through museums around the world. A love, love, love. So now we're using primary source resources, you know, um, documents, artifacts, my gosh. And it's helping us to better understand our own culture and the cultures of other people around us. How are we not gonna benefit from that? That's gonna support um, international mindedness all the way. Another possibility is Skype a scientist. It's at S-K-Y-P-E-S-C-I-E-N-T-I-S-T. It's a database of thousands of scientists from around the world who show the benefit of going through the inquiry and investigative process. You can find scientists that reflect your local community based on gender, ethnicity, faith, and so on which would be amazing. So I'm thinking about the learners that I serve that are generally lower income um, students that are black American. I'd want so that the children get inspired. I wanna have a variety of experts, but I wanna have some pivotal experiences with other black scientists because that's gonna resonate that, you know, that whole notion that I can be a scientist too. That's what we want for our kiddos, right? And then the last one is the Pulitzer Center. It's at Pulitzer, um, P-U-L-I-T-Z-E-R, Center, C-E-N-T-E-R, all one word. Um, and what's really amazing about this is that um, through in-person and Skype, or Zoom visits now, the Pulitzer Center inspires global issues and the journalists that explore them through their unique voice. So what's amazing is that you can pick certain issues, research what certain journalists have said, and then actually engage with those journalists to discuss what is it that they think and why do they think that way. Amazing. I mean, think about that, right? I just ugh, blown away. And these are just a sampling of the ideas found in the expert effect. So what are the ideas you've used 
to engage more with local and global contacts. Be sure to post on Twitter at ThinkChat2020 and LinkedIn at Lou Gerlach. So to close out this experience, we use the Project Zero Visible Thinking Routine Unveiling Stories. I don't know if you've had a chance to use this um, routine, but it really peels back the layers to show what are the untold stories. So here is the actual routine. It's a series of five questions. What's the story? What is the human story? What is the world story? What is the news story? What is the untold story? And so thinking back to our book club experience um, and understanding as seekers of knowledge of how can we um, look at ourselves as book whisperers, because we're applying our book club experience also with this experience of engaging with experts. So here's our application and my kind of synthesis of that application, as you will, you know, creative license and all. All right, so what's the story? Here's my interpretation of that. Becoming a book whisperer by engaging in this book club intellectually and emotionally. So that's our role, right? We're becoming a book whisperer, a person who can um, help others love books based on basically touching the, the head, the heart, and, and the hands. What is the human story? It's about embracing our own love of reading and learning so we can inspire our learners. If we don't love to read, how do we expect our learners to love to read, right? So we have to find ways in which to share that passion. So what is the world's story? Acknowledging that everyone in the world has the capacity to become a book whisperer, irregardless of ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic status, disability, and language acquisition. So important. What is the new story? Connecting to inquiry and concept-based learning. Our reading and understanding of a text increases drastically when it's applied to an inquiry model and viewed through a conceptual lens. What is the untold story? It's about sharing our stories to help us to own our truth. For some of us, we're lonely, we're sad, we're disconnected or frustrated by our condition in life. Becoming a book whisperer can help us to overcome our obstacles and see beyond our present circumstance. I truly believe this. I have read so many books that have inspired me when there were moments that I thought, forget it, give up. And then I would read a, you know, a book that turned that narrative around in my mind and gave me some practical tips on how to move forward. So how are you setting the conditions so your learners can unveil their stories through a local and global inquiry? That's it for this week, my friends. I hope to see you soon.